You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thanks so much for joining me for another week of Women to Watch great to be back. My name is Sue Rocco. And uh, before we get started, I I have some exciting news to share with you this evening. We're going to be moving to a two-hour show on Sunday, October the 4th. So any opportunity I have to have more time with my guests and our watch team um, is wonderful news for me. So we're very excited about this new milestone and the ability to bring more stories of women who are leading the way. Uh, In just a moment, I'm going to be joined by BJ Gray, who is the founder of Gray Matter Career Coaching. And BJ happens to be our very own Women to Watch Coaches Corner uh, podcast leader. She's the first uh, coach that we have for our weekly podcast. And I'm excited to have her on the show and and share her story with all of you. Uh, Be sure to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of contributors bringing you information, news, and inspiration from their industries in health, finance, law, military affairs, technology, marketing, and the nonprofit sector. And don't forget to download the podcast and sign up for our newsletter by visiting us at womentowatch.net. And that's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. You can also check out our lineup and and see who all of our uh, guests are uh, waiting in the wings. So now I am thrilled and very honored to welcome to the show BJ Gray. BJ, thanks so much for being here this evening. Thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity to speak with you as a guest. Um, I really appreciate 
um, being on your show. And, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for the listeners of, of the podcast, the new podcast, to find out a little bit more about you, um, because they will certainly be tuning in to hear, you know, your advice and insights around successful leadership. And as always, I want to start out a little bit with your background. And I thought I would start off with a quote, which I think is really interesting and and says a little bit more about who you are. Um, You shared with me, um, you said at the age of 11, growing up in Southern California, I started to get the itch to become a young businesswoman. And I found that to be interesting and probably unique that you would be having those thoughts at the age of 11. Where did that come from? Well, it came from this desire to want to, one, be able to go to the arcade, um, the penny <laughs> arcade and play games and buy candy um, whenever I wanted. I wanted the freedom to have my own, you know, money and um, be able to, like, manage my own life at that young age. And I also was just, like, really into like how people functioned in the world and how logistically they became successful. Like I was watching all these businesses on this Island that I would go to um, every summer. And I watched people figure out ways to create money with tourists. And I thought, God, I really want to like, you know, be in charge of my own domain at that young age. Wow. So as I mentioned, you're, you're from Southern California and you spent your summers and vacations in Catalina Island. Um, which must have been really beautiful and wonderful. And if I recall, you had a family restaurant there? Yes, we had Mother Gray's Waffle Shop. My grandparents started it back in the 20s, I believe. We came to the island with um, the Wrigley's from uh, Chicago. And um, my family, my dad ended up growing up there, going to high school, and um, my aunts and uncles and cousins. And so we would spend every summer and various weekends throughout the year on the island. And we just had this great lifestyle, sense of freedom, always outdoors. It was wonderful. Did you um, work at the restaurant? Did you do any part-time work there? I mean, I did for free. We weren't being paid as <laughs> children of the uh, owners of of the restaurant, but um, like you know, I used to bust the tables and and do a little bit of that. But I actually wanted to be in my own business, so I created a um, luggage carrying business for people who were coming in from the boat, and I would charge them a dollar for every piece of luggage that they put on my wagon, and I would carry it all the way into town to the hotel they were staying at. Oh my gosh! And I made you know a. De- 25 bucks a day doing that. So I thought that was pretty good at age. Yeah, that's a lot of candy. (laughs) $25. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I wanted to, you know, we always talk about a pivotal moment, you know, from our younger years that shapes a little bit about who we are. Um, We only have a moment before we head into the break, but tell our listeners what happened when you were 13 um, that really has stayed with you throughout your life and career. Yeah. Um, well, at age 13, unexpectedly, my father passed away. And I mean, as any young girl who looks up to her dad, that was a huge shock. And from there, I I think subconsciously, I just discovered that I needed to be safe. And my whole entire life has now been shaped around finding safety and filtering everything I do through Um, am I going to be safe? And I think that also leaned into some probably um, behaviors like perfectionism that we all develop Mm. and 
And that doesn't always serve you when you're in business or in your life, but it definitely came from that moment where my father, you know, wasn't there, wasn't secure. The family didn't feel secure. And I thought safety was the one thing I was going to guard for the rest of my life. And maybe being perfect was going to help that. But um, yeah, that was an unfortunate event that my family had to rise above. But I have to tell you, if there is a silver lining to losing your father that young, I feel like I have the closest family ever now. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about it when we come back from our first break. Stay with us as I talk to BJ Gray, the founder of Gray Matter Coaching. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Falconio, Chief Marketing Officer of Publicis Health for Women to Watch Marketing Watch. The pandemic has challenged each of us in new, unexpected, and often personal ways. In my professional life, I've seen how the pandemic has impacted the larger marketing ecosystem. But in addition to my front row seat professionally, like everyone, COVID-19 has impacted my life beyond work. My husband has owned a restaurant in the heart of Midtown Manhattan for 25 years and from March to August was forced to shutter his doors for the very first time. According to a report from ABC News, the pandemic threatens to permanently close almost 85% of independent restaurants nationwide, putting 16 million jobs at risk. Though independent restaurants are hardest hit, large chains have had to make their pivots too in order to sustain some type of revenue during these times. For example, Chick-fil-A swiftly adapted to new consumer demand, offering new mobile and contactless options. This quick response helped them leap over Burger King and Wendy's to land in third place on the list of top 50 chains, according to Forbes. For better or for worse, the restaurant model and the way we consume food is changing radically. For large chains, loyalty programs as well as meal kits, delivery, and contactless drive-through can make up some of the revenue, but for small businesses, the task is ever more daunting. The sharing of food is an expression of love, community, and friendship. And in our life under the curve world, we aren't eating together in the same ways as before, and a big part of that expression is lost. As we look toward the future, I encourage all of us to remember what it feels like when the local barista remembers how you like your coffee, that bartender who pours your drink just right, and the warmth you experience walking into your favorite neighborhood cafe. If we want our local restaurants to survive post-pandemic, let's commit to doing our part by shopping small and eating local. Until next time, I'm Lynn Falconio for Marketing Watch. Now, the women to watch, Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard Spar Law Firm for Legal Watch. I want to share some incredible news with you all this week. Ballard has been named to Working Mothers Best Law Firms for Women, one of just 60 firms nationwide to earn this amazing recognition. We've developed ways for women to practice law at a national AMLA 100 firm in a way that works for them. We have flex scheduling and reduced hours options, along with 16 weeks of paid parental leave for all new parents. Nearly 30% of Ballard's equity partners are women, well above the national average, and this isn't by accident. Women at Ballard are supported through a number of mentorship opportunities and resource groups, including Ballard Women, which I co-chair. We are so proud to receive this honor and hope that you'll take a closer look at Ballard, knowing that we support and grow the careers of the women at our firm. It's exciting for me to see the rise of the number of women at the top ranks of the top law firms and in the private equity world that I practice in. 
As we all know, now is a time for growth and awareness and change. My colleagues and I are laser focused on our role in that growth, especially for women. And there is still so much more we can do. Thanks to Working Mother Magazine for recognizing law firm leaders like Ballard that are using best practices to retain and promote women lawyers. This is Nicole Hitner for your Legal Watch and the best is yet to come. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm talking this evening with BJ Gray. BJ is the founder of Gray Matter Career Coaching and she's also our Coach's Corner uh, podcast coach and leader who brings her advice and um you know, strategies and all kinds of really valuable um, information from her, I will say, 20 years of um, experience working in uh, the corporate world and then and then deciding to go off on her own and start her own business. Um, BJ, just before the break, you were sharing a personal story about losing your dad at age 13, and that's certainly a pivotal time for a young girl. And um, I wonder if you can describe a little bit more how that experience shaped you in how you uh, make your own choices and decisions in life. Yeah. um, Again, it it goes back to um, that need for security. And it pretty much, I guess, that made me decide that I needed to go to college and I needed to be a successful businesswoman and I wasn't going to maybe need to rely on anybody to support me in case a tragedy like this happened again. And I think that's what really drove me to want to be um, a strong businesswoman and find a career trajectory uh, that I could, you know, really only rely on myself. And that seems, mm, I don't know, somewhat selfish or untrusting, but it, it doesn't mean that I didn't have, you know, um, believe in others or believe in relationships. It's just that I wanted to make sure that I had the ability to be successful on my own and take care of myself. You know, I would imagine that your work with um, business leaders, uh, the idea of control probably comes up fairly often. And and I'm this is kind of a personal question. I was curious if if we know that um, intellectually we know that we most of the time truly have no control over what happens around us mm-hmm. and in our lives. How do we balance that with the importance of at the same time kind of implementing a structure for our lives and our business or our careers that work for us well, as individuals? That's a good question. And I have sort of have two answers to that. So the, f- the first thing that I really actually bring into my coaching program is this whole idea of um, one way to control your behaviors and control potentially what might happen around you is to really set up routines. And, and if you have a routine, it becomes a little bit more turnkey so that when you're thrown off by life, the 20% of the time, you can handle it a little bit easier. But if you're not functioning from um, some sort of structure in your life, some sort of routine, it does become the drama becomes a little bit more intense. And so I think one way that I can, you know, Yes. Take control of my life is I I function on a routine and it just it just makes it so much easier in the morning or throughout my day. I mean, all the way down from eating, sleeping, exercising, when I work, even my time of my day, my time management is very much into a routine. And I feel like 
being on um, autopilot with that makes everything else in my life where I get thrown off or have, you know, last minute things that happen so much easier to deal with. So that's one way I deal with control in my life. But the other way is I feel like we try to control our life because we don't want to experience a lot of negative emotions, right? So if we can try to supervise um, and be Mm -hmm. a perfectionist and and do things that please others so that we don't have to experience any negative emotions, we tend to try to control that. And I found as I got older in life, that didn't work. (laughs) That doesn't work at all. And the biggest thing you can do, the best thing you can do is really learn to allow those emotions to be there, um, accept those emotions, own those emotions. They come from the way we're thinking and 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 then you can like move on from that. And I've developed a, a philosophy on stoicism to handle, you know, emotional times. But I really believe that we can't control the drama. So try to put some pl- things in place that control most of your day and then allow the drama to come and just process those emotions. And I and it's, you know, so much more about how we react to something as opposed to um, preventing anything that you know, around drama or, or just adversity and challenges. Totally. And I draw a lot of my inspiration on um, professional athletes in my coaching. Cause I really feel like when you watch a professional athlete, they have a lot of mental fitness. They only, you know, they have physical fitness, of course, and they're at the top of their game when it comes to skills and ability. But what they really have also is this mental f- fitness because In a professional sport like tennis or soccer, you can get thrown off emotionally really fast, right? Yes. Look at Serena Williams in the 2018 U.S. Open, how she got thrown off in that final, you know, the the final game. Mm -hmm. And so they really have to develop this mental fitness and how to be anti-fragile. And I I definitely um, help leaders when I'm working with them um, adopt that kind of um, process and that kind of tactic. Um, We're going to go into our next break, BJ. When we come back, I want to ask you about when you first recognized your own personal interest in human behavior while you were um, working with Fortune 500 companies. Um, Stay with us as we go into our break for our watch team, and we'll be back with BJ Gray, founder of Gray Matter Career Coaching. Now, the women to watch, Military Watch. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. During Patriot Day this past Friday, the nation reflected on the 19th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attack and honored all who lost their lives and paid tribute to our brave first responders. And I am reminded how that one day in 2001 began a monumental change for our country's military institutions and future generations of service members. Before 2001, the military could be described as having two similar but separated components, full-timers or active duty, and part-timers, those serving in the National Guard or Reserve. Same uniform, different lifestyles. For decades, these components had limited interaction with one another, but that all changed after 9-11. 
Never has our country relied more on the National Guard and Reserve Forces to keep up with the nation's military demands. With operations in Afghanistan and Iraq, along with other missions throughout the world, the National Guard and Reserve Forces have transitioned to what we call an operational reserve, meaning a steep increase in training and readiness standards and continuous deployment. Now, like their active duty peers, the National Guard and Reserve are expected to answer the call to service with both speed and preparedness. The shifts in our nation's military operations have increased the demands on these individuals serving in the National Guard and Reserve. That's why it's even more critical that employers understand service policies and practices and how they affect their organization's workforce. What I'm most proud of at our company is our commitment to support employees serving in the National Guard and Reserve, from unique benefits helping them balance their civilian and military careers to their supervisors and colleagues sending them care packages while they're deployed. We're proud to call Comcast NBC Universal a military-ready company. If you or your organization is interested in learning more about how to support friends, colleagues, or employees serving in the National Guard and Reserve, head to psycharmor.org where you'll find numerous free resources. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, the Women to Watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, I spoke to Dr. Anthony J. DiMarino, Jr., a national expert on celiac disease. So much confusion around this topic. First, what is gluten? Well, it's a protein found in wheat, barley, and rye. So if you have celiac disease and you eat gluten, it can damage the lining of your small intestine. Why is that important? Because your small intestine is your sponge. It's the part of the GI tract where you absorb all the good nutrition to keep you alive and healthy. Symptoms? Classic symptoms are diarrhea, bloating, foul smelling, or floating stools, and weight loss. But about 50% of patients have no GI symptoms. Instead, they might not absorb iron and develop iron deficiency anemia, that's a low blood count. Or a decrease in calcium can lead to osteoporosis, history of broken bones. Low vitamin B12 levels can lead to peripheral neuropathy, that's loss of sensation in your feet and hands, or even headaches. Untreated celiac disease can also cause delay in puberty, early menopause, infertility, or miscarriages. Blood tests help if they're positive, but they can be unreliable. Sometimes they appear normal even if you have the disease. So the gold standard, a biopsy from the small intestine, the duodenum, during an upper GI endoscopy. Note, do not eliminate gluten before an initial blood test or biopsy. If you're gluten-free, the test can appear falsely normal. Treatment. 100% gluten-free diet. People ask, can I have a little bread or cake? No, as little as one one-hundredth piece of bread can cause damage. You know, if you have a life-threatening allergy to shrimp, you wouldn't eat one little shrimp. And it's linked to other autoimmune diseases like type 1 diabetes, thyroid disease, Crohn's disease, and others. And it can also increase your risk for lymphoma and other GI cancers. Know your risks. Get tested if it's in your family. If you have a child, get them tested if they have diarrhea for weeks, brown or yellow teeth, slow growing or delay in puberty, or a positive family history. Divas, pay attention to your gut feelings. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. 
Thanks for being with us this evening. I'm with BJ Gray, the founder of Gray Matters Career Coaching um, and our own Women to Watch podcast lead. Um, BJ, one of the things I thought was interesting about your story was, you know, you spent uh, many years working with Fortune 500 companies like Oracle. um, But throughout that time, you started to um, have your own personal interest in human behavior. You know, you were watching colleagues and leaders and um, seeing patterns, I would I would imagine. When did you first recognize that? Or when did, is there an experience that you had where you thought, you know, this is interesting and needs more attention? Yeah, definitely. Well, as I um, became a senior leader myself at Victoria's Secret, I I noticed as the head of operations, as I put, I would implement with my teams, you know, processes and technology to make us more efficient. And we would restructure teams to make sure that the right talent was in the right place. And so, you know, you're, you're constantly working on fine tuning how the company functions as an operations leader. But as we kept fine tuning and fine tuning, it always seems like there was still we weren't like, you know, hitting our stride. It still wasn't coming together. And they'd say, well, fix the process, BJ, fix the process. And I realized at some point it wasn't the process that was totally broken. It was the human behavior. It was that some of our senior leaders and some of our associates just didn't know how to deal with change or a complex environment. And back to our earlier conversation about reacting, I noticed that they all reacted in a way that defended themselves. So they would blame somebody or they would, they would just not own up to um, potentially their accountability in, in the situation. And that made it really hard for a team like operations to, to really refine the business if we all didn't um, take control of our own personal operating system. And so I really started to pay attention to how people acted, what made them afraid in the workplace why were they reacting that way? Where did they not feel safe um, in the in the role that they had? And I really think that's a huge component to culture in the workplace is human behavior nowadays. More than skills, more than the technology you implement. Um, I think it's all about human behavior and relationships and trust. You know, with everything that's going on today, you know, around the pandemic, I would imagine you're, you know, your work has changed incredibly. Um, a couple of questions I have around that. What What do you think is the greatest challenge? Just the greatest challenge leaders face today in this kind of environment. And also, are you? Can you share differences um, when you're working with a leader, and and what kind of strategy you use with them between women and men? What they respond mm. to? Yeah. Um. Well, I think employees today, especially with COVID, especially with all the social justice situations going on, women, uh, Me Too and Black Lives Matter, I feel like employees are really starting to demand change in the workplace for a more conscious human workplace. They want um, the business to pay attention to these issues. And they also do want, you know, more room for development more room for team dynamics versus, you know, a hierarchy structure in the business. But I really feel like they need to be heard and understood. And I really think that if you're, 
if you if you pull it down to one concept, I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of weeks. So I'm getting ready to help some companies with this very issue. It, it mm-hmm. comes down to this need that we all have in every situation we're in where we want to feel safe. We want to feel like we belong and we want to feel like we matter. And if you think about those um, social justice issues and COVID and working remotely, if you don't create safety, belonging and mattering for your team, that's when they will start to demand a more conscious workplace because they will operate better. They will operate, they'll perform better if they feel like they're included in that kind of business versus when we used to go to work, when I grew up in the workplace, we would like show up, do our responsibility, do it as best we could. The boss was the boss and we would leave. It's not that way anymore. It, the the, the right. playing field is much more level and they want to be heard yes. and they want to be included. Right. Tell me, when you say safe, they want to feel safe, what exactly do you mean by that? Safe in their role with the company? Or, I mean, you know, today with, with COVID, we're physically feeling fear and, you know, what's happening in the world. So there, I guess there's two kind of fears that people face, um, personal and business-wise. I feel like more safe in the workplace. I mean, people who are who are still working remotely don't feel like don't, I don't hear the fear from the from the pandemic as much. I hear fear from am I being noticed because I don't they don't see me every day in the hallway. They don't see what I'm doing. Am I oh, um, right. am I doing a good job? <laughs> you know, and how do I get the feedback? How do I get to share my ideas when I just show up to a meeting on Zoom and then we get off the phone? You know, there's a lot of hallway conversation that happens. And I think that it doesn't feel safe to just to be home kind of in your own little world and just showing up for these intermittent moments at the, at the job. So I think they want to feel like they're safe in that, in that respect. And I also feel like if I can say one more thing, they want to be safe in the sense that when they are given feedback on how to do their job better or something needs to change, I think they want to feel safe that they're not losing, um, the respect, I guess, from their boss or that there's, there's more trust between the boss and them. And I've, right. I've noticed that women and getting feedback from men seems to still be a little threatening. And that's what I'm really working on between men and women in the business is how can women um, change their filter of their, of their male boss a little bit, like own that they mm-hmm. have a story about what's going on and how can men start to build trust and a different, have a different conversation with these women maybe ask a few more questions, maybe really understand where they're coming from. Because I feel like that very simple task of giving feedback is getting totally, you know, um, blown out of proportion. Right. Exactly. Um, You know, in the, in talking about fear and feeling safe, is there a mantra BJ that you live by when you start to feel angst or anxiety that kind of brings you back to focus? I mean, I would say that, you know, everything depends on my thoughts. Like, don't believe, you know, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> <It's really my laughs> <mantra>. Right. <laughs> That's a good, don't believe what you think. <laughs> right, right. Because we create That's so much a- in our head. And it's, it's a quote by BJ Miller, by the way, but it's another BJ, but it's, yeah, don't believe everything you think. Oh, I love that. Uh, Listen, we're going to go into another break. I'm speaking with BJ Gray, the founder of Gray Matter Career Coaching. Stay tuned for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. 
While seniors continue to feel frustrated with their lack of understanding and utilization of technology, their screen time through TV, laptops, tablets, and smartphones has increased to over four hours a day. Many individuals, 65 years and up, have made considerable purchases in tech devices, but the challenge doesn't come with owning them. It comes with adopting them into their everyday life. Have you ever seen a 12-year-old assisting their 70-year-old grandmother work the remote control or show her how to navigate to Netflix? At times, even I have a hard time trying to find my way around the many buttons of the remote. Because many companies have taken a top-down approach to technology, they've struggled to market their platforms and apps to adults 65 and over. More times than not, it's because this age group is not included at the time of design and testing before the technologies go to market. The world's 65-plus population is hitting a historical high of over 6 million people, and it's projected to hit a full billion by 2030. With these projections, technology companies have an incredible opportunity to get creative with specific designs and products for older adults. Things they need to take into consideration are their physical and mental characteristics of the aging. Did you ever wonder why it's so difficult for someone older to swipe a phone? It's because hand-to-eye coordination diminishes, making it a challenge. Therefore, a considerable amount of research will need to go into the design of technology. Many companies are placing a lot of focus on the aging-in-place technologies. I feel there's a missed opportunity for the everyday devices that shouldn't need an instruction manual are secure and easy to use for the older adult, giving them an alternative to what might seem so complex. I'd love to hear your opinion on this topic. Email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Now the women to watch. Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, and I'm from Fortis Wealth. Have you done everything to prepare your family for the financial blow that could result from your death? Recent events have many people thinking about life insurance. September is Life Insurance Awareness Month, an annual campaign from the nonprofit called Life Happens. This year's theme is Reality Check. The time for life insurance is now. Most Americans need life insurance or need to update their coverage. There are several types of life insurance, but all of them pay cash, yes, cash, to your beneficiaries at your passing. No one wants to think about it, but if someone depends on you financially, it's a topic you should not avoid. Many families depend on two incomes to make ends meet. If you died suddenly, would your spouse have enough resources to support the household? Raising a child can be rewarding, but it's also expensive. Even parents who don't work outside the home need life insurance because they provide services that would be expensive to replace. Think child care, transportation, managing the household, taking care of elderly parents, or a special needs child. Life insurance is even more important for single parents as their children rely on them for everything. And let's not forget all the pets out there who depend on you. Fido and Fluffy would miss not only you, but also being fed and groomed regularly. Life insurance benefits can help to cover living expenses, pay for funeral and final expenses, pay off outstanding debt such as credit cards and mortgage, and help keep a family business afloat. They can also finance future needs such as a child's education and protect a spouse's retirement plans. Buying life insurance is getting easier. Costs are generally lower due to longer life expectancies and to the data available about certain conditions that are no longer life-threatening. There's more good news. Some insurance companies are taking steps to phase out the in-person medical exam in favor of technology risk-based assessments. The exam requirement in your case will depend on your health, medical risk factors, and the amount of coverage you're seeking. Life insurance is available through licensed professionals directly from the insuring company and many times through your employer. Please review your situation and come up with a plan to protect your family's future. 
This is Terry. Peace out. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're having a great conversation this evening with BJ Gray. Um, and BJ, I wanted to give you an opportunity to, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about what you hope to bring them um, in the weekly podcast. Again, the Coach's Corner, Women to Watch, has launched our first Coach's Corner podcast. I think it's so important um, when we're talking about business and industry and the economy and all of that, um, that we always bring it back to people and, and behavior and how we can all best you know, live our best life. Totally. Um, And that's exactly what I'm trying to bring when I have my quick two minute segment um, with the coach's corner is just some tidbits and some, some concepts that people can relate to and feel like, Oh yeah, that's me. And we can then um, possibly direct them to some sort of mental fitness to deal with that kind of mental construct that they might potentially be dealing with. And so when I'm uh, working with leaders, we go over these exact same concepts that I'm sharing in the two minute segment, which is like, we all have the potential to become our very best selves. And we need to learn how to understand ourselves better and develop some sort of mindfulness, agility to deal with it. I mean, it really does come down to how we think about things, how we feel about things and whether it be in the workplace or in your life, you are constantly making decisions, influencing people, dealing with stress, all on your psychological um, abilities, your psychological construct. And I think my coach's corner is to really help people level up that mental fitness and recognize some of the things and behaviors they might be doing and then give them some sort of tip on how to manage that better. Right. It's it's an opportunity, I think, for them to reflect, you know, and um, when I think about companies and businesses today that really have to focus so much, everything is happening very quickly. Everybody has to be efficient. Um, they have to think about sustainability and the culture. Um, when you go to work with a brand new client, do you, are, do you have a set of questions that you ask first in order to kind of get to know them and, and see which direction you need to go with them? Yeah, I do. I mean, I do a self-inventory. That's probably the first couple of sessions that we have together is really digging into where they're at and how they're thinking. And I ask them a lot of questions that will draw, you know, draw out some of their emotional intelligence, like tell me the last time you disagreed with somebody at work and how did that go and see what they say or tell me the last time your boss gave you some feedback. How did you feel? And this starts to like uncover some blind spots and potential limitations that they might have in how they're thinking about things. And it tells me which direction to go. If they're somebody who comes from a place of fear um, and ego, or do they come from a place of shame? And usually it's one of those two things we deal with. We all have it. It's, and, and you'll continually have it throughout your life. It's just how much you can control that and understand yourself wow. better before you can start to understand others better. Right. So tell me what you have learned about yourself through all of this work. Because I think, you know, I've had a lot of women on the show who, who work in similar ways that you do. And sometimes I think it's interesting. It's, it's like the doctor who, you know, never takes care of himself. <laughs> 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 so 
So yeah. people, yeah, it's the cleaning lady who never exact the shoemaker, you know, that walks around with <laughs> shoes that are falling apart. Um, I wonder sometimes if if people like you that are, you know, your your job and your role and what you really find joy in is helping others, right? Kind of um, reflect on themselves and and recognize things. What have you learned about yourself other than what we talked about at the top of the show about your um, needing to be safe? Yeah, well, I've learned that um, being, a, being on the Enneagram 2, I'm a considerate helper, and I've learned through that um, assessment and then and then talking to so many clients and having you know a mirror in my face half the time hearing their stories I've learned that I am a huge people pleaser mm. um, and that I probably have not developed really good boundaries and so it's always a work in progress for me too I'm always working on myself my own coaching myself I have my own coach to really develop um, the fine line between being a considerate helper and not being a people pleaser because people pleasing to me is a disease. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, it never feels good in the end. It never really feels good to the person you're doing it to because it doesn't come from a place of genuine want to help, you know, like I think you had Dr. Sasha Hines one time on your show yes. who's from Pittsburgh and she really goes into a, um, a great segment when you work with her on people pleasing and how it is drawn out of this place of self-worth. And so I've realized through all of this coaching as people share their stories that I probably um, have a lot of people pleasing in me. Mm. And it, you know, when you're, when you're in that sector, you, you actually regret it. You actually become, um, disgruntled over being a people pleaser. It sounds nice, but it doesn't really ever feel that great. Well, I think, yeah, exactly. And so, and what that is, 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 you know, the simple concept of taking care of yourself first will always allow you to bring your best self to others. Right. So if you're just trying to please Mm -hmm. everyone, you're neglecting yourself. And then at the end of the day, you're not going to be your, your best self, which I was, you know, you're an incredible trusted advisor to a lot of people. What do you think it is about you that people see you that way or trust you that way? I think I, I just, I listen for one. Mm -hmm. I just like to listen to them. And, um, I think genuinely, I think I make people feel they can trust me and I have a lot of empathy for them. And I I honestly feel like it's, I don't know if it's a natural energy that I have, but um, people just naturally open up and share a lot about themselves with me. And maybe it's that I'm their confident and maybe that I just have this, you know, keen support for them that they just feel super comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I think I, I, I'm a good listener. Yeah. 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 Well, that's really important. I think there's listening is um, a very underrated uh, gift or skill. Um, And, and with, you know, all of the noise today in the world, there's not a, I don't know, there's a lot of good listeners. (laughs) Um, Tell me in, we just have a minute left. Tell me why you think the world needs more women leaders. Hmm. I think because we, one, can multitask. Um, We have an intu. we have a a really strong intuition. And I think a lot of male leaders, although there's so many that I admire, don't have that intuition. So we, we can run 
two situations in our brains at once. We can run how to like execute and we can run on our intuition on how to deal with people and deal with situations. And I just think that's a, a lovely combination for right now when this world is feeling so out of sorts. Yes. I think a woman can, can do her job and be intuitive and be really um, nurturing to anybody they're dealing with. Right. You know, that, that desire to want the whole community to be well is something I think women, women mm-hmm. share. That's it for another week of Women to Watch. BJ, thanks so much for joining us this evening. It was great to share a little bit about your life story. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone. I want to say thank you, as always, to our watch team and sponsors for their continued support. And I hope you all have a very safe and great week. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.